Welcome to Coastal Conversations, a monthly program that deals with major issues confronting the nation's coastal areas, marine and Great Lakes. This program is made possible through the generosity of the Roddenberry Foundation. I'm Jerry Schubel with the Aquarium of the Pacific, and I'm your host. Today we're going to explore a recent report of the National Research Council entitled Enhancing the Value and Sustainability of field stations and marine laboratories in the 21st century. I have today with me four members of the committee responsible for writing the report. They are Felicia Coleman from Florida State University's Coastal and Marine Laboratory, Peter Kariva, the Nature Conservancy, Rob Plows, the University of Texas, Brackenridge Field Laboratory, Mary Power, the University of California, Berkeley, Angelo Coast Marine Coast Range Reserve. Welcome, colleagues. I should point out to our viewers that my four guests are in four different parts of the country, so orchestrating this conversation poses some challenge. Field stations and marine labs have been important components of the nation's and the world's research infrastructure for a long time, and many believe their importance will increase in the future because of climate change and the rapidity with which humans are altering the environment. But many are struggling financially. A number have been closed and others are threatened with closure. Last year, the National Research Council completed a study at the request of the National Science Foundation to assess and make recommendations to field stations and marine labs to make them more resilient so they can continue to thrive in the 21st century. I had the privilege of working with the guests who are on this program on that study. And on the slide, you can see the full list of the committee members. I want to pause just long enough so people can glance at that full membership. Felicia, I want to start with you. How do field stations and marine labs contribute to the nation's research infrastructure and the nation's research enterprise? Give us a few of the special and perhaps unique opportunities that they offer. After Felicia speaks, I'm going to ask Mary and Rob to add to her response, and also Peter. You ready? Yeah, field, field stations are uh, centers for research, uh, conservation, uh, education, and more and more recently, uh, outreach. Uh, and they provide portals into viewing the natural world. Uh, for more than a century, and for probably more than a thousand sites across the planet, uh, generations of scientists have um, uh, observed and documented the physical and chemical and biological uh, changes across that landscape. And uh, looking at things like how species interact with one another or respond to uh, changes in uh, rainfall or forest cover. And uh, for those reasons, uh, field stations are, are critical enterprises and uh, what we now know, and Jerry's pointed out, is a, a world that's changing uh, quite rapidly as a human footprint uh, grows uh, from problems with climate change and uh, losses in biological diversity, uh, fishing and pollution. Um, all of these things uh, pose considerable threats to uh, ecosystems, uh, to economic and human health. Um, 
and field stations, whether they're uh, sophisticated uh, marine laboratories that are in urban settings or they're uh, postage stamps, almost uh, uh, gated reserves, part of a natural reserve, um, they provide places for conducting uh, experiments and classes in a, a more or less protected and uh, to some extent uh, pristine environments. Uh, so they have um, enormous natural capital and intellectual uh, capital uh, that are serving the nation quite well. Thank you very much. Mary, what would you add to what Felicia has just said? I'll just um, add, continue with her theme. Field stations are among the only places where research can really sustain a long view of changes to natural lands and natural um, creatures, populations. And without a long view, sometimes decades of study, you really won't be able to understand how prairies, forests, rivers, coral reefs, rocky intertidal zones, whatever ecosystem your heart is focused on, you won't understand how they work. And without understanding how they work, you can't predict how they'll respond to change to some of those threats that Felicia mentioned. She named a bunch of threats that we're all aware of, but we don't really know what their consequences will be how serious they are, um, maybe how to manage to make ecosystems more resilient against them. And the other thing is that you might ask um, why we can't just watch the landscapes and ecosystems change on protected lands like those conserved by the Nature Conservancy or in our national parks. Research field stations are crucial because often scientists need to do fairly large scale experiments at least fairly conspicuous experiments is often the very best pathway to real mechanistic understanding so that you have some ability to predict. And for those, you need these dedicated research field stations. Thank you, Mary. Rob, what would you add to that? Well, they pretty much covered the, the high points there. Um, I'm totally, totally in agreement that, uh, you know, as field stations, as um, living observatories of nature, they really do allow for not only place-based studies which are local and relevant to a local community or research environment, but they can also be scaled up and form part of a national network um, observing things on a much larger uh, basis and larger scale. Um, so, you know, they have all these components of, of being able to scale up across time, you know, short brief experiments versus the long time ones need necessary to study change and from local versus continental scale uh, questions. And Peter, have we missed anything? Uh, yeah, I think you've kind of missed the most obvious thing about field stations, and, and that's that I bet you almost all of us on this call got interested in biology and science partly because of a field station experience. And, and I was going to be a lawyer until I went to Duke Marine Lab. Lucky for law, I went to Duke Marine Lab. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I think you can't overstate their value in inspiring young people to embark on a career in science. And it's not just in ecology and environmental science. They're pretty sophisticated now. And uh, I, I, I bet if we kept better records, we'd find that an awful lot of the global leaders in the scientific enterprise had some contact with the field station. All right, now I think with those four views, we have pretty much covered it. So I think clearly field stations and marine labs have been an important part of the nation's research infrastructure, and they've played important roles in science, and their importance will only increase in the future. 
On the screen, you can see some of the more than 900 of these facilities that exist around the world. So important, clearly, but many are vulnerable during changing economic times that we live in, and many believe that these times are going to be the new normal that we're going to have to deal with. So what are some of the recommendations that were made in the report to make field stations and marine labs more resilient to change so they can cope with the new normal? We're gonna go round robin, one idea each, state it as briefly as you can, and this time I'm going to start with Peter. Peter? So I, I think the, the first thing we could do with field stations is connect them to the business community. I think more and more businesses are engaged with the environment. Their employees want to be engaged with the environment. And I think the local enterprise has a lot to be gained by connecting to field stations. And the field stations have a lot to be gained by connecting with the local businesses. Good. Rob? So continuing with that theme, we talked about the need for field stations to have and to communicate what we call a value statement, which is some way of really identifying what their um, capacity is to contribute and to be able to communicate that to um, have people institutionally and otherwise and funding agencies understand their value. And as Peter says, into the business community as well. So having a very uh, well-defined value statement uh, it would be a starting point and, and essential. Felicia? Well, it, it strikes me that um, uh, one of the things that people um, uh, care about more is um, doing science that matters. And I see that a lot in students. When we look at the metrics that marine labs and, and, and departments use for uh, success, it's always uh, things like how many grants you've gotten and how many publications you've had. But you know, the government's asking, what have you done for me lately? Uh, where do we uh, where do we have successes in bridging those gaps between science and policy? And I think keeping track of those sorts of things uh, is very important. Mary, what would you add? I think I'd just compliment what everybody else has touched on with talking about the grassroots importance of field stations. I really agree with connecting to business and of course we have to connect to the institutions that are host institutions and sometimes remote from field stations so those outward connections are important but these local commitment to understanding the local environments and changes in them citizens um people who live in places watersheds sometimes are seeing accelerating changes that are of grave concern to them, fire ants, invasive species, grasshopper plagues, and in our neck of the woods it's toxic algal blooms in what used to be a salmon supporting river, and so they can be full of fear, they can be a little afraid of the entire river, the, everything green in it, but if they come to a field station where algae are being studied, get over their fear of microscopes, look down at it, pretty soon you can't get the, the locals to break for beer because they're seeing so much beauty, um, and so much interest and starting to learn how the players fit together and how they may respond to changes like drought in California. This empowers local citizens and it links directly to public health agency um, concerns and then of course business community um, health of um, societies that they're going to try to connect with. Have we missed anything? Would, would anyone of the four of you like to add anything to what's been said? 
No? Okay. Well, one of the things that particularly impressed me about experiences at field stations and marine labs is the coming together of scholars and students from different disciplines to spend time together, not for a lecture or a seminar, but for a weekend, a week, or even an entire field season. Eating together, working together, exploring ideas together, bringing together of the disciplines has recently been given the name convergence. And it's, it's, you see that word a lot now. And many field stations and marine labs have been doing it for decades and in some cases for more than a century. Each of you comes from a field station or marine lab and I'd like each of you to comment on the added potential these facilities have to expand and enrich opportunities for convergence, to be more inclusive of fields that have been less well represented, for example, the social sciences, the arts, and the humanities. This time we're gonna start with you, Felicia. Well, field stations historically have been places where um, uh, scientists conduct science. And everybody knows that scientists are uh, rational, analytical, logical, uh, people, uh, but they're creative. They uh, um, experience tremendous um, thrill with uh, discovery and, and, and coming up with the experiments to try to uh, understand the, the world is, is really a creative process. And, uh, but we think of artists as being creative, but part of what artists do also is um, uh, involves research, it involves experimentation and developing hypotheses. Um, so scientists and artists aren't really um, all that different. Um, we've already been changing the way we do science um, by having it become more and more interdisciplinary and that's uh, tremendously expanded um, our ability to understand um, uh, the world and to understand uh, nature. Um, we've we've sort of stepped on the threshold of involving the social science, whether it's uh, natural resource uh, economics or uh, cultural studies of uh, fishing and in native Indian communities. Um, um, and they, the field stations really can serve as um, a, a crucible for this sort of next experiment that's already started at a, a number of stations of um, uh, combining art uh, and science. Um, one of the things that scientists are up against is a, a, um, parts of the, of the uh, uh, national community that are uh, afraid of science don't understand it and, and denigrate it, and we have to uh, change that. And I can think of no better way uh, than having a, a truly interdisciplinary outside of the sciences with humanities, the arts, um, that actually gets people connected in uh, ways um, that we don't already do that. And um, field stations are, are a perfect place for doing that because of the uh, community nature that I, Jerry I believe you'd already mentioned something about it it was one of the things that drew uh, all of us to field stations in the first place Mary what would you add to what Felicia has said yeah I pick up on um, Felicia's last comment and what Peter said about engaging young people how we all probably um, got start our starts in field stations Imagine that you get to learn a, a skill of making field measurements, climbing 60-meter trees on ropes and being next to a practicing scientist, and you learn these skills and get the confidence in the field, and then you 
go back and you make a meal together and you wash dishes together and you're talking about why you're interested in a particular question or how you do science, how you don't do science. And so this can let high school kids talk to senior researchers, all the ages get included, and the communication is much more than just dry science. It's um, a life philosophy and science and the love of why they're doing it. And then when you're even talking across practicing scientists, it's very hard to communicate across cultures like environmental engineering to ecology is very hard. Different goals, different vocabularies. So field stations provide a period where they can live long enough away from all the distractions of their emails and their cell phones to really hammer out the concepts and the vocabulary and come to the convergence of the goals that will take us into a you know, more functional science for the future. Thank you. Rob, what would you add to that? Um, well, the, the, it was well put. I, I like the way Mary um, expressed that field stations have a capacity to, um, you know, attract groups, disparate groups from across disciplines. They can be out in the field away from technology, you know, having brainstorming workshop sessions where, where ideas can be generated. And so the, the challenge is to create those environments. You know, they're not going to happen. And I don't know how many field stations already have these, these patterns of activity where um, these programs have to be developed. And you can, you can kind of forcefully do it by setting up, um, you know, meetings and trying to draw people in. Um, you know, there are very various models of how you could, could get this started. But um, certainly, when it happens, it happens well, and there's some really good examples. And I think of you know engineers and uh, and science coming together, green, green um, buildings and um, improvements to uh, you know the energy efficiency and this type of thing. And, and fuel stations are good good examples of where this has happened. Peter, would you like to add to what has been said? Yeah, well, Felicia, I'm not so sure scientists are always that rational and analytical, but um, I, you know, I, I think the big thing that's, that, that could be taken much better advantage of at field stations is what I call environmental humanities. I think we get ourselves in a lot of trouble as scientists because we don't listen to human values uh, enough, and field stations would be terrific places to engage both science and the humanities in those types of discussions. I've been doing writing workshops for the Nature Conservancy for the last 10 years, and I always take the writers to field stations just because it's a cool place to have those discussions. And I, I would just like to see us embrace the humanities a, a lot more at these stations. Good. All, you all made good points. One of the topics that we wrote about in the report is the way that we select leaders of field stations and marine labs and how the criteria need to go to change as we move forward. I'd like to have each of you comment on this theme. In addition to scholarly credentials, do we need to put more emphasis on management and leadership and entrepreneurial skills? This time we're gonna start with Mary. Mary? Yes, I, I see the inward looking and the outward looking requirements that go way beyond what we've already talked about. Um, field stations are places, and on one hand, the directors, especially the resident directors, need to have an intense commitment to those places. That means they 
are good stewards of the natural ecosystem, but they're very connected to the local human communities. They know their concerns. And then field stations are getting harder and harder to maintain because the technical infrastructure that's getting more sophisticated for you know wireless networks to monitor environmental conditions um, all over thousands of acres, that is a, requires a lot of care and feeding. And, and the demands of doing cutting edge environmental monitoring are huge, um, expensive and requiring lots of effort and expertise work. So that is an infrastructure that's only going to get more intense in the future. It's not going to get easier to manage. So there's all this inward looking need. Um, and then maybe in a, it'd be a miracle if this occurs in the same person, but you also need these outward networking people that others have mentioned. Field stations are much more powerful and effective and useful if they're networked so that problems can be addressed across broad geographic scales and, and cool technologies and tricks can be shared. So you can, um, so that networking just among field stations is important, but the big science funding now is interdisciplinary. So that's often national or international in scale. And then just to maintain the enthusiasm that home university campus or a home institution, that requires a lot of constant vigilance, constant effort. So just to maintain support for field stations that are often remote from those places. So you need the inward and outward looking um, either team or miraculously talented person <laughs> to do that. I think Felicia can do both, but there aren't many others. <laughs> Rob, what would you add to that? Yeah, so to that point, there, there are not a lot of people who have these um, skills across many disciplines. And so that one, one solution would be to, have, to think of management teams where you're bringing together um, in a small type of user organization or user group, um, sort of a support team for, the, for that particular field station. But you still need a champion. You need somebody, as Mary says, to put, put across the values and, and uh, defend the, the ideas and the potential for field stations. And all of this has got to be size scale. We've talked about how you get these really small field stations um, which really don't have a lot of capacity or a lot of infrastructure need through to the very large ones where you need all the communications and infrastructure support. So, you know, scale it appropriately, but think of that it wouldn't have to just be one particular person. But if you're having that one person do it all, then cut them some slack in the sense of don't measure them on classical um, and don't even hire them according to classical um, job descriptions and performance evaluations. They need to be measured according to what, they, what their expectations are for the field station to mark. Felicia, what would you add to those comments? I think they've pretty much covered it. I mean, you know, it's, a, it's always a trade-off. You, you want a, a, a leader uh, that is going to attract other uh, people to the lab. And for that reason, they're, they're always looking for good scientists to do that thing, uh, do that job. Um, but you can't do everything. I think, you know, part of what Rob was saying was you have a management team. So maybe your associate director is a business person, you know, somebody who really uh, gets it and they can work together to, to pull the science forward and, and be able to manage a complicated facility. Peter, what would you add? Yeah, I, I think the field station, especially for the more major ones, the, their heads have to 
think of themselves differently. I think they should think of themselves as CEOs. They're a CEO of a complex enterprise. And yeah, they can't do it all, so they get a team to help them. But uh, that's a very different identity than um, just a, uh, than a leading scholar and teacher. Okay, thank you. Well, one of the topics the, the report was quite strong on was the need for field labs and marine, field stations and marine labs to be more nimble, uh, more entrepreneurial, to have more diverse funding portfolios. And Peter, you and the Nature Conservancy have set a high bar in this regard. I'd like you to start by commenting on the need for field stations and marine labs to be more entrepreneurial. So, so I think, uh, Jerry, this follows up from my CEO statement. And um, you, you know what, what we've realized in conservation is you can't rely on just one source of funding and one constituency. Field stations are in a good place um, if they really pause to think about it. They have their education mission. They have their research mission. There's, they're always embedded in a local community. They have a local community. Often there's a, they're associated with a, 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 you know, a place that has a natural legacy that people value. They have that as a brand. They have uh, issues. If you're a marine lab, there's businesses and government agencies that care about marine issues. So if they think of themselves that way and they put together funding, um, from all those constituencies, they'll do much better than just thinking of themselves as, a, as an academic department on a main campus, which is very, very different. They need to recognize how special they are and take advantage of it. Who, who would like to add to Peter's comments? Anybody can, can uh, chime in here. Yes, that's Rob here. And I just wanted to add one point in terms of the, the funding and approach to that that we talked about, and uh, you know, a lot of um, scientific funding is competitive, uh, grant grant writing and such like. And so the alternative way is to become more collaborative. And through the networking that was really, um, you know, spelled out in a lot of detail in the report, through networking you can collaborate with other um, field stations and potentially access funding sources at a much larger scale that from organizations and funding um, bodies that would maybe not want to fund something at 100000 but would be lucky to fund something up at the million dollars and something which is, can be really scaled up and tackle the big questions we're talking about. So that was a, an, an opportunity that we identified and that we think should be pursued. Mary or Felicia, would you like to add anything? No? Okay. I would just remind you, Peter Drucker, the management guru, said that leaders and managers do different things. Leaders are responsible for doing the right things, and managers are responsible for doing things right. And clearly, you've got to have both leadership and, and management if you're going to thrive. Now, we're, we're at the point where I'm going to ask each of you if you would like to add a parting thought about the importance of field stations and marine labs in uh, public outreach. We've talked a little bit about that. But who would like to start? Anybody is, is welcome to begin. Come on, public outreach. That's a very important. I, Peter, start off. You said you commented on this earlier. So uh, one of the things that I think we could do much more, and, and I you know it's in the report, and everybody on this call is engaged in it, is what I would call a citizen science, really engaging the, the public 
in collecting data and information that's 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 relevant to what's going on at field stations. And the one experiment that we've done at the Conservancy that works good is crowdsourcing interpretation of satellite images, getting 100 pairs of eyes on every image. And it engages the public, it makes them part of science, and it actually contributes incredibly valuable data. Every field station should have some engagement with citizen science. Okay, who else would like to add to this? Remember, we talked about the difference between public outreach and extension in, in this report. So I'd like to just chip in here and just make a comment about outreach and why maybe some of the um, interface with public has not been as, as uh, effective as it should have been. And that is that often, and then we can look at that as a source of, you know, how do we solve the problems? But the one issue is that a lot of uh, people at field stations are driven by the educational and the research um, mandates. And so they don't, they're not being measured on how, how much outreach is being done. That needs to change. Um, and the other is that a lot of the uh, often field stations have sensitive projects going on where you can't have a lot of public access. And we've talked about that earlier. And so one has to be very careful about what type of outreach um, is tuned to the particular capacity of a particular field station. But, you know, having said that those are some constraints, we can find ways to overcome those and we should do more to communicate the value to the public, yes. One of the other topics in our report that we said we needed to focus more on is developing a set of metrics to measure, to demonstrate the importance and the contributions of field stations. Who would like to make a comment on that? And we're getting near the end of our time, but I think it's important to, to at least make a few comments about this. I have one comment, but I think I already made it, and it kind of, um, I wasn't sure whether to put it in the in the outreach component or, or in this component, but the, um, uh, Peter brought up the fact that, you know, these field stations are, they're not departments, and there has to be um, a change in the upper administration and the way that they view, um, uh, view field stations. And so, um, you know, that while the metrics of the, again, the metrics of um, uh, publications and grants is great, um, there have to be uh, other kinds of, of metrics that, um, uh, that that the the public cares about. I mean, one of the changes that we've seen, I think, in students is uh, they want to do science that matters in both an ecological and a social framework. And uh, what are what are the contributions uh, of field stations um, to that sort of thing? Would anyone else like to add to what Felicia has just said? I, um, Jerry, I I'm not sure. I think I might have lost my voice connection. Um, is can you hear me now? We can hear you. Yes. Okay. So I wanted to comment on the the last step, the last comment that our previous director for the UC Natural Reserve System, which now has thirty nine reserves, was that these reserves should be um, place places for protected research, but also stepping stones to the larger larger um, regions where they. They represent California and where we can learn about and engage with communities. And it's kind of like the Nature Conservancy's conservation by design rather than last best places. But the, um, the, 
what what we can do as field stations that is very important is keep the science as an honest broker role that when you engage in watershed issues you know, water limitation water withdrawals water diversions for example and there are many other examples you get into politically charged controversies and these and often the field stations can provide respected information that's used by both sides and can help in bringing both sides to reasonable um, compromises or solutions. So I think that's one larger important mission that we may serve more and more in the future as our world gets more overtaxed and more crowded. Thank you, Mary. All right, I'm gonna go around Robin if each of you would like to make a closing comment on any topic that relates to the importance of field stations and marine labs and um, what we need to do to make sure we don't, do not lose these important facilities. We'll start, we'll do this in alphabetical order. So we're gonna go, Felicia, you're gonna go first. Well, uh, you know, one, one of the things that we haven't really talked about is the, uh, 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 the historical aspect of, of um, field stations. You know, if, if we, we want to think about a mobile field station, it's an example we used in the report. You can think of the HMS Beagle as a, a field station on which Darwin um, uh, observed and recorded uh, so much information that led to the um, uh, led to his work on on uh, natural selection and um, uh, and species um, species change over time. Um, there's a, a tremendous uh, amount of uh, information uh, out there, black data, we've been talking about this for a while, um, that's um, buried in uh, field stations, probably buried into departments, and uh, there's got to be a way to um, pull that information out to, um, uh, to move forward. But I think more, uh, you know, the, the field stations have been um, uh, receptacles for all of this information, uh, and it, it just has tremendous value. Peter Kariva. So I, I think of field stations as a real national treasure, just like we think of our museums and, and our arts that way. And, and, and we need to speak about them more in that fashion. If you're a state and you don't have a single field station in that state, I would, I would think you'd be embarrassed and, 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 and feel like there was a real lacking there. So uh, let's put them you know, up front as a real asset. Rob? Well, um, I think that we're, we, we're faced with the challenge of, of communicating the value of field stations often. Um, there are a lot of intangible, difficult things to measure that we can only really do by anecdote. There are serendipitous discoveries which occur at field stations that really lead to um, important uh, contributions to society and technology. Um, there are changes which occur to uh, students coming through the opportunities for STEM um, engagement at field stations. So many of these things are, um, are there, very, very important contributions, very hard to, to uh, measure and to communicate, but um, you know, we should emphasize that. Mary? My last thought, I think, would speak to the generational wisdom of field stations that's not only scientific, but also cultural. We have now very well generously funded networks of kind of cut and dry 
um, same methods applied in a network across the U.S., the, the National Environmental Observatory Network, for example, NEON. So you're getting these measurements, and you may have SWAT teams that go around in helicopters collecting snapshot databases of species lists, that sort of thing. Those are valuable, but they're not going to really provide the insight that an old field researcher can hand down to a young field researcher that have, has really lived with a system, or an old um, tribal member or um, local rancher who's been there for three generations can hand down to younger scientists. So this generational wisdom about how places work, how what they were like a decade or two or three ago, uh, it's just critically important and it mustn't be overlooked as we ramp up these huge environmental monitoring networks for to global scales. They both are incredibly complementary and the field stations are, are a critical component of that. Thank you. We're at the end of our time, and I want to thank my guests, Felicia Coleman, Peter Kariva, Rob Plows, and Mary Power for joining me for this edition of Coastal Conversations. I also want to thank the Roddenberry Foundation for making Coastal Conversations possible. We hope that you will join us next month for the next edition of Coastal Conversations. I'm Jerry Shul. To understand how a forest grows, or why and where a river flows, we must first go out and directly observe our environment. Field stations and marine labs connect scientists, educators, and communities to their environments by bringing the basic tools of science into the field. These living laboratories place scientists on the front lines of our changing Earth. But to fulfill their unique role, field stations must continue to evolve by adopting new technologies, developing even stronger networks, and incorporating more entrepreneurial leadership, field stations can meet the challenges of a rapidly changing world. City, mountain, prairie, desert, forest, ice, or sea. All of these environments are home to field stations. Though they range in size and scope, Field stations are windows into ecosystems that provide unique educational and research opportunities. Away from the hustle and bustle of everyday life, field stations foster collaborations among scientists from different disciplines. Field stations provide hands-on, discovery-based learning for students of all ages. New tools such as mobile apps allow citizen scientists to collect data in unprecedented ways. But field stations are often overlooked for infrastructure upgrades and funding. We need to document the valuable roles field stations play in science and society with better metrics of their performance and impact. Long-term environmental data helps scientists to forecast change. More robust networks of field stations would make it easier to share these data and transform them into knowledge that aids decision-making. Imagine the potential of linking field stations to other organizations to pool data on the impacts of a regional drought, an extreme storm, or longer-term environmental changes resulting from human activities. Field stations have long been vital links to the environment through research, education, and community outreach. Harnessing their power and potential 
will help us better understand our shifting climate and ecosystems and create the knowledge we need to conserve the natural world.